writer, director, and producer, George Romero, is credited with starting what modern audiences today understand as a zombie in his 1968 low-budget indie film, Night of the Living Dead. This is the trailer. Welcome to a night of total terror. <coughs> night of the living dead. Living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Night of the living dead. True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scandal Sheet. My name is Ellie, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, then you might remember our latest episode on zombies. And I'll be honest, I've never been much of a zombie girl. I mean, the most I know about zombies is that at Halloween time, they kind of mess up my pumpkin patch vibe in the yard. And the decorations just tend to interfere with the whole fall vibe that I've got going on at the house. So I did like maybe 30 seconds of research on zombies in the last episode, and that was in between my normal basic white girl TV viewings of The Bachelorette and other standard shows on Netflix. But I realized that I know so little of zombies that not even Bernice could help me with all of my research. I could have helped a little. At least I could have taught you how to spell the word zombie. And when we had fans start to write in about their favorite zombie movies, apparently there's a great movie called Warm Bodies that one fan wrote in about. To be honest, I only ever watched like two episodes of The Walking Dead, so I barely even knew what that was. I realized we really needed to call in a better consultant about this topic. And so our other host that sat down with zombie expert Dylan and had a much deeper PhD level conversation about zombies this last week. So I would like to introduce our co-host and guest Thad and Dylan. We've got a real treat today, listeners. We're here with Dylan Cuellar, who has at least two podcasts of his own and mm-hmm. is very accomplished in many areas of arts, literature, and media. Before we get started with the zombies, maybe because our listeners our listeners who've been with us for over a year may remember Dylan from the episode on Kurt Vonnegut, which turned out to be a popular episode. And because we signed up for some various Facebook groups, people are still listening to that episode. Oh, really? <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut cool. fans are still, I mean, not like hundreds and thousands, but like maybe four or five a month are still listening to that episode. Oh, cool. Are, are getting, are discovering it. So, but Dylan, you've got two podcasts of your own. So you want to tell us about that? Tell us about your background a little bit. Yeah, I do one called The Great Movies Podcast, where we talk through the great movies, essays, Roger Ebert's famous literary 
amalgam like analysis of his favorite movies and we we read through that and watch through the movies he picks and then i have one with cassia called unburied books where we talk through books in the new york review of books classic series and that one's going really well awesome yeah so Dylan, just kind of to get things started, I so I don't know if uh, my audience knows this, but I went to film school in the mid-90s uh, back when the industry was still making movies and TV shows on plastic strips of uh, silver halide emulsion. So my specialization was on the production side, but there were... There weren't that many classes in that area, so I took a lot of history and an analysis classes as well. But listening to your movie podcast, uh, you mentioned that you produce, I realize you know immensely more than me about cinema and popular culture, and and probably more than I'll ever know. So um, I don't know about that. <laughs> so you seem to be the ideal guy to reach out to about zombies. I I do really enjoy zombies. I think horror movies was one of the first things I sort of got into. If anyone ever listens to our show, there's a lot of times where we'll talk about a famous quote unquote pretentious, but I don't really think it's that pretentious, like Ebert favorite movie. And I'm usually like, oh yeah, I watched that one in middle school. And they're always like, why would you be watching this old movie in middle school? And it's like, I don't know. I was just interested in watching old movies. But the first ones I kind of grabbed at that period were horror movies, silent horror movies, early 30s and 40s horror movies. And so I feel like horror is definitely at least a foundational zone in my my film interest. And I wonder if that's just a boy thing. I think it probably is. I mean, that seems to be where I got the hook in my mouth about movies, you know, watching the creature feature on Friday night with my dad and my friends mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they were just replaying all those old movies from the thirties and occasionally throwing in Godzilla or King Kong or something like that. But, and that seemed a whole lot more interesting to me than other movies of the seventies, you know, Papillon or all the presidents. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And that, I, I think while, at least character-wise, they were male-centric. I don't think that a lot... There's... I think all genders can appreciate horror in a lot of different ways. And I think there's some movies that maybe are better uh, accustomed to a wider audience than others. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right, especially when we're if we're talking about stuff like zombies, because but I mean, if you're talking about slasher movies, where obviously the bad guy is a psychopathic killer and he's pretty much targeting teenage girls for the most part, so there was something really weird going on there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so we had one other episode, a previous episode on zombies that I did with my co-host Ellie. And mm-hmm. we briefly covered the history of zombies uh, just in a general way. But we attributed the main way we look at zombies, the zombie myth today, as being inspired by George Romero's 1968 low-budget masterpiece, Night of the Living Dead. Now, in your opinion, is that an oversimplification? Because I know you're a Criterion Channel guy and you've got access to everything ever made. What do you think? Is that, the, is that a good place to start? I think it's a good place to pick it up in a sort of way. Okay. I do sometimes see it as an oversimplification, but not, I think, in the way that you described it. Because 
There were zombies for a long time before Night of the Living Dead. Oh, right, sure. But there's an interesting bit where... <sighs> they didn't have all those attributes, right? The yeah, cannibalism. The, the cannibalism, the bites you and you turn into a zombie. Right. Those sorts of classic zombie things, I, as far as I know, were very Night of the Living Dead specific. Okay. But I, 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 I enjoy talking about where zombies came from because I see them in sort of two different aspects where instead of a plague or a mysterious virus or something that changes the, the, the human dead into the, the, into the living dead, I find it interesting that a lot of zombies from the past times were mainly magic related. And right. The 16th century voodoo uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, voodoo especially. Reanimating of, dead people through, exactly. through some, kind of, some kind of evil magic. And one of my favorite movies in that mold, and it's one that I, I'm glad I can be on the show to recommend to people okay. to watch, is called I Walked with a Zombie. Have you ever heard of this one? No, I haven't. Okay, so this is um, from a director, a French-born American director named Jacques Tournier. Hmm. And it's sort of about a, a woman that goes to work on a plantation in the Caribbean. It's from 1930-something. And the wife of the plantation owner is aloof and seemingly possessed by sort of a voodoo cult that lives there. And you come to understand that they have sort of reanimated the dead in some ways. And it's a very atmospheric, a very tight movie i think it's only like 65 70 minutes wow uh, barely a feature yeah it's it's a very very short feature and it, it's a wonderful look into the white look into what another culture is and the evils that have has caused and brought up into others and sort of it, the, are the zombies black people Yes, I, you know what I may have, I you know, because I went to a public domain. So for the promo for the previous episode, I've got a picture of like a six foot three African-American man who is naked chest up. But you can clearly see he's a zombie because they've got like contact lenses. And then there's like these five foot two white women next to him looking up at him in fear. Hmm. I could be a production still from that. Yeah. I've never seen that picture, but it, it sounds similar. And I, I find it very confrontational to the way I think a lot of Westerners would have viewed it. And in some ways, what's the word? Turned it around a little bit. But another... Actually, we can go on to the next question that you sent me. Because I think this is another interesting place to take it with some pre-Night of the Living Dead stuff. Okay. Well, you know... You already sort of touched upon this a little bit in terms of like we both did in developing our interest in in motion pictures, the adventure that the whole uh, genre of horror movies, which arguably, even though they exist in the silent era, in the way that we sort of think of them today, the the big franchises were pretty much created by Universal Studios, which was yeah. started in the silent era, 1912, but it's still a very big studio, one of the very big studios today. And in the 30s and 40s, 
introduced, I mean, it was sort of a low, but it was the, the studio at the end of the block doing low budget indies, nothing like MGM or Warner Brothers or what have you. But they introduced these these gothic horror monsters based on books that were in the public domain, Bram Stoker's Dracula and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the mummy and the werewolf and, and uh, the list goes on and on. And each of those have become franchises in their own rights and they've been recreated and reimagined almost every three or four or five years over and over and over again or maybe there's just parodies but here we are 80 years later but I'm just wondering since they went down the list and tried to make every horror film they could think of and they left out zombies why do you think that is? I I don't know if they've left out zombies necessarily. Again, I guess it goes to what we describe as zombies, where well, that's, it doesn't have know, the Romero zombie, but the right. mummy itself is a zombie, and that's another sort of magical zombie itself. Well, what about a vampire? He's undead, and he doesn't eat your flesh, yeah. but he does drink your blood. And he, he does your bite blood. you to turn you into a vampire. Correct. So there's a lot of, there's in the Venn diagram... There's a lot of there, except he's always portrayed as being, I say he, because I'm thinking of Dracula, always portrayed as being suave and sophisticated and sexy to women. And then they kind of redid the genre and they made them teenagers and they, and they were all sexy, you know, (laughs) of course, they were even more sexy. You know, they didn't walk around in tuxedos, but you know, just like tight fitting shirts and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) They've tried to sex up zombies and. Talking about zombies, like Frankenstein itself is a zombie, or Frankenstein monster, I guess, is a zombie in some ways. Where, you know, well, they're all undead that. in a way. Yeah, you're yeah, right. They're yeah. all sort of reanimated somehow. I guess not uh, a werewolf, but but yeah, right. mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula, straight out. I mean, no one called them zombies. Even Romero didn't call them zombies, did he? I no, think it I was saw, li- right? li- the, it was the Living Dead, in a right. way. But it does seem to take elements of that vampire myth and elements of you know the mummy uh, idea sort of the mummies were the things that like walked around with its arms outstretched and then that sort of became a zombie thing frankenstein is the most direct reanimated dead story i think and so and that introduces a bit of the science element where uh the the night of the living dead zombies are created from isn't it a ship that came back to Earth with something? I thought it was an asteroid or something Ast- that had yeah, radiation. Like that. Yeah, something was brought to the Earth that right sort of from outer space, and that and that's when people started coming out of the graves. Yeah, so I think it almost takes all of those main universal horror movies and puts it into one. Now, why Universal Studios after that hasn't picked up on the zombie wave? I'm not sure. That's a really good open-ended question. I guess just because they were able to tackle it from other angles and they didn't feel the need to, because until recently with the dark universe, they were still fairly successful with just their own individual properties that they had. But that dark universe thing just did not work out. And I'm not familiar with dark universe. Will most of our audience be familiar with that? I don't know. Uh, It was supposed to be like the Avengers, but for the Universal Monster movies. And they had a cast photo of, like, Javier Bardem as the Wolfman and Russell Crowe as Frankenstein. Oh, my God. And all... Oh, no. Russell That sounds hilarious. Russell Crowe is going to be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And so... Okay. Well, that... Okay. I see that more. 
Than so the they, they had all these people. I can't remember everyone in the picture, but the main one was they were starting with the Tom Cruise mummy movie that came out a few years ago, if you remember that one. Tom Cruise did a mummy movie? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember the Brendan Fraser ones. I didn't no, know I'm talking about like 2018 or 2019. Tom Cruise came out Kitty, with a remake okay. of the mummy. Um, oh my God, I got to go look that one up. And it failed so bad that they basically took this cinematic universe that they had already announced and killed it. Hmm. And so up until that point, even with some of the more panned things like the um, Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein in the 90s. Yeah, I like that, that one. I like Even that, that still, while not having the best reception of all the ones, I think that one still did pretty well at the box office. It wasn't only until recently where they actually, I don't think, have been able to penetrate the market again with one of their with their monsters well robert de niro is frankenstein it's hard to lose with that even and you know the other thing is that <laughs> for some reason richard brano was at that point in his middle age where he had to always in every scene have his shirt off yeah of course you know he's, he was really proud he was of compensating the fact for something that, that he had... <laughs> it's like matthew mcconaughey you know a few years i back. know yeah <laughs> i just walk around the laboratory with my shirt off <laughs> Going back even further, when we sort of talk about what is a zombie, have you seen mm-hmm. the the cabinet of Dr. Caligari? I did in film school. Yeah, so that's sort of another one that... Uh, I was thinking of Nosferatu as, as... Nosferatu, you know, yeah. The guy with the seven, the nine-inch nails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I think they were thinking of when they named that band. So yeah, I don't know why they haven't picked it up. I can't think if they had any independently minded zombie franchises in their time. I, I don't, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but we will never not be without zombies in some form. Okay. And like I said, at the top of the show, I do really love the John Carpenter movie, the fog, mm-hmm. which I think is a really great example of how to reanimate the dead in an interesting way. Have you seen that one before? I saw both of them. I saw the first one he did. And then they did a remake where he yeah, was, I, I think the executive the producer. Yeah, I really like the way Carpenter approaches it because it it is as much of a direct folktale as you can get. It opens up with a man on the beach telling a spooky story as the fog starts to come in. Mm -hmm. And it really embraces that sort of campfire story of it, which I think we need more of today in in horror cinema. Just a complete acceptance of the, the beautiful silliness and enjoyment out of the scares that we can get mm-hmm. and, you know the fog is also this sort of metaphor on on greed because this uh, ship was left to sink with gold and that had a they were trying to help the this leper colony and so it's just it's a really good story of human reckoning as well as just a good campfire story which I think the best zombie movies do Night of the Living Dead and even especially Dawn of the Dead have that sort of real welcome understanding of what it is to tell a zombie story as well as thematic implications of what you can say with a zombie story. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to the fog for just a second, I want to go for a clarification because uh, technically speaking, those pirates were ghosts, right? Now, ghosts are the undead as well, but the oh, traditional true, ghost true. is an incorporeal apparition. It can't actually touch you it can scare the crap out of you and make you do stuff 
to accidentally kill yourself, you know, like the Amityville horror, right? It can do make you fall down the stairs or inspire you to, to go nuts or something like that. But in the fog, they had swords and they killed. That's the people. thing is they are corporeal because they're holding right. Right. weapons, and that they act they they they, they do brutal in beautifully brutal carpenter style like stab people and oh yeah you know the blood sprays out of the mouth and stuff and then and then the la- and when you think that the fog has been in the la- in the first one i mean it's a great shot because the the guy the main character turns around and the main the captain pirate is there and it's like you know oh it's it's god i love that movie because the bad guys never die in a john carpenter movie right it's just he lives on and on and on yeah Evil never goes away. I love John Carpenter. Is that is, I think, one of Cassia's favorite directors as well, and we always bond with Carpenter. It, it yeah. definitely is. I, I One year I sent her like 10 different DVDs of, of his stuff. So, you know, it, it goes without saying that after Night of the Living Dead, there were so, I mean, Romero started doing his own remakes. So many other people started making movies and mm-hmm. TV shows, and, uh, and and there was just kind of a snowball effect that just rolled on and on and on until you get to one of the things we talked about in the previous episode was the wild success of the TV series The Walking Dead, which ran from sure. 2010 to 2022. And, of course, and it was on a basic cable. It was produced by a basic cable uh, channel AMC American Movie mm-hmm. Chan- uh, Classics, and but it it managed to reinvigorate reinvigorate the genre. It it met or exceeded the previous record holder in terms of of episode viewership of over forty million people a pop. Dang. You know, for a single show. I mean, only the Super Bowl gets up yeah. in numbers like even the Oscars don't do that anymore. But but then it it something happened five or six. You know, episodes in, I don't know if you're familiar with the series. I mean, people debate what happened, but it it just it totally went to the toilet in terms of viewership and also critical accolades. I mean, people just hated where the story was going and they stopped watching it, even though it just dragged on for another four or five seasons. It just sort of like a zombie. It just kind of withered away to hell. But yeah. uh, <laughs> why do you think that is? That it was like so wildly popular, and then and and part of the speculation we said was, well, maybe did COVID have something to do with it? Did COVID sort of sour us on on this I, whole idea? I don't know. I think there's always a cyclical nature to pop culture, where if you can imagine. Even just looking at the Romero zombie movies, when the first three in the Romero series were very serious and political and stuff. And as it went along, it got more campy and it got more self-referential. And then there was a reinvention. Yeah, there was a lot of parody, like Shaun of the Dead and stuff Yeah, so I think Shaun of the Dead is sort of this final comedic statement in that era of culture. Mm -hmm. And when sort of Shaun of the Dead happened, it almost opened up a, a, a way to look at zombies anew. The The culture had gotten to its point where it's like, oh, this is funny, and now we need to go back to feeling like they're scary. And somewhere around this, the, the Shaun of the Dead time, 28 days later and 28 weeks later came mm. out, which sort of almost invented fast zombies in a way. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the fast versus the slow zombies. And so when, I think when, when did inter- that happen and why did it happen? As far because as the I Walking know, Dead zombies are slow, right? They don't run. 
Yeah. And I, I and I'm going to put in little clips from this interview. George Romero later in life did a bunch of interviews, and he kept saying over and over, "Zombies cannot <laughs> run." I say this definitively, as the grandfather or the godfather of <laughs> zombies cannot run. So anyone who has a zombie running, don't listen to that person. Their ankles would snap. I mean, you know, what did they do? Go and join a spa the moment they uh, rose from the dead? Give me a break. They're dead. <laughs> New angle of speed made people more scared of them again. And after we had finished the parody portion of zombies, then we can go back to it, taking them seriously again. The saturation had almost gone away. And so Walking Dead walked into a niche that wasn't currently filled at the moment. And and it did it well at first. And I watched a little bit of season one. And I'm just generally not a TV person. I didn't keep up with the show. But the thing is with The Walking Dead is it seems to have resaturated the market completely on its own. It, it There was nothing else that came along at the time that felt like it was also taking up space. Unlike the many different kinds of zombie movies that were coming out in the 70s and 80s, besides just the Romero ones. It seemed to speed up and almost singularly break the market once more after about the fifth season. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of the problem with long form TV storytelling, at least narratively, is it, it can burn itself out and it can burn the audience out in a way that people don't, I'm not, I shouldn't say people don't care because the walking dead was still pretty well watched. It just didn't have the cultural impact that it did at the beginning. And for those first five seasons. Yeah. But you know, to me, what, what separates the walking dead from the Romero movies and some of the other uh, movies is that it's, you know, except for maybe the first, two or three episodes it's not man versus zombie you know the romero movies man right right and the zombies are sort of like this existential threat that's always in the background that can always pop out of the woods and Mm -hmm. and 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 turn the like deuce machina you know turn the story around somehow you know swing it around but really it's like it is man versus man it's you know it's who was the famous? I mean, there was there's just a nut, the governor. There were just a number of bad guys in The Walking Dead, like different communities of survivors that were constantly fighting each other for supremacy mm-hmm. of resources. And then the zombies were just kind of around and they could fuck everything up. But it was really it, it, it was all about the governor. Let's kill the fucking governor, man. Yeah. yeah um, and I think a good zombie movie does do that. And we can look at the Romero movies where there is this idea of racism with sort of the main character in that in it there is a, a a white versus black element there is also a lot of family tension in that house between uh a different people and you're talking about the first co- night of the living first dead, night right? of the living dead yeah because the because the main actor was a black guy yeah and in the end the main character is killed by white the white tards yeah Red yeah and, and romero denies that they it was 1968 Right. So it was like the height of the civil rights movement. And he denies that there was anything in their minds at all about and I'll I'll put in the cut here about anything to do with race. I mean, he personally knew that actor 
and they mm-hmm. cast him because they thought he was a great actor and, and he was really handsome. And it never crossed their mind, you know, <laughs> living there sure about that. in 1968. Dwayne Jones, the actor who played Ben, was very concerned and almost the only one who was concerned about his being African-American. We were going, hey, come on, man, it's 1968. This, we're, all, we're, we're, we're all past all of that. Little did we know, right? When we made the first print of that, of the movie, and we were driving it to New York to show it to potential distributors, um, we heard driving in the car. Uh, one of the producers, Russ Striner and I, heard the news on the radio that Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Now all of a sudden it was a black film. It became a black film. Even though when Jack Russo and I wrote the script, the character in the script, we assumed him to be white. When Dwayne agreed to play the role, we didn't change the script. The same things would have happened to him if the actor had been white. The fact that these redneck posse guys shot him that became racial instead of just a mistaken identity which is really what we intended i think that's one of the reasons that people believe to this day that it's important and in in a certain way it was a mistake at the very least at the very least you'll say he he was a person killed by other living humans because of paranoia right and and that goes back to the walking dead and then in dawn of the dead you know when they're in in the mall and it, it has become basically freeform violent chaos between humans versus humans as well as just the zombies that are sort of there well and it's just like just such i don't know if it it, it was self parody it was but it was definitely social commentary you know yeah. having all these guys go you know around the victoria's secret and the yeah, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> The McDonald's and stuff. They're just like, they're drawn to the mall, even though they're zombies. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, they're, they're, commercialism is a, a huge part of... Yeah. Uh, man, Romero just hated Americans so much. He, he did. Just, I mean, he is. He's sort of the Jonathan Swift of his time. I mean, he just hates he, he, he our culture so much. He just wanted to so kill much. Americans, bring them back, and kill them again. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It is so true. So but, I, 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 I think Walking Dead had that own point of... it. it it broke its own mold in a certain way. So l- let me throw out another. Did you ever see World War Z? I didn't, which again, this is fast zombies. This is CGI zombies, which was another big sort of breaking point. Well, it was, first of all, it's based on a best-selling book. So the book was the one that, you know, sort of came out when Walking Dead came out and sort of, you could say it was one of the things that sort of reinvigorated the genre. It was a, be- a national bestseller. And then Brad Pitt, decides to make the movie so that you know everybody is on board for that you know brad pitt's never made it he doesn't do zombie movies well he's doing it this time so and but you're right i mean they're not just fast they're like you know saying bolt fast because like yeah. they're like they're looking down the street and like the zombie will eat you and then instantaneously within a second you become a zombie and you turn around and bite the next guy you know so they're yeah. just like moves down the street like a tsunami of dead yeah. people. And then it goes, it's getting back to basics. It's man versus zombie. It really isn't man versus man. It's man versus zombie. Yeah. In, in that particular movie. And like you were saying, 
you know, the original zombies, it was sort of an, an occult, magical, mystical thing. And here it's like, it's like a, in a more advanced form of rabies is what the yeah. scientists are saying. So it's purely scientific. It's purely and that's scientific. all seen, I think, in a very similar era of zombie movies in I Am Legend, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about I Am Legend. Yeah, I was, I think... Which is actually based on the book that Romero says he based Night of the Living Dead on. Yeah. Matheson book from the 50s. Yeah, and, and I think, like, Romero took it in and had to indie school it a bit. I Am Legend is the most big-budget version, version of it, and I, I think it falters because of that. Well, and, and, we and the the first try at making that movie was The Omega Man yes. from, from the 1970s with Charlton Heston. And, if, and then in that thing, it's the, the disease is a, is a pandemic. You know, it's yeah. like COVID, but worse. And it doesn't kill you outright it just makes you a crazy thing i mean it, it, mm-hmm. the, the people in the the charlton heston book aren't really they, they were alive they're still alive and they're trying to kill them but they're not trying to eat them yeah whereas in will smith's i am legend they are trying to eat him aren't they because so. like his dog gets bit and turns into yeah. a zombie and, his and, dog. and the dog turns into a zombie which is yeah. the really sad really sad kill his dog yeah i remember just at for some reason like that movie was so hyped with sort of my other teen boyfriends at the time where they were all like yeah this movie's like the scariest thing ever and i i remember watching it a few years down the line was like this is so silly i i just could not find a way into it in the way that like a, a a young a young boy thought it was daring and audacious yeah, I mean, there's just such, I mean, there's some beautiful sort of mise-en-scene tableau moments. I mean, where he's playing mm-hmm. golf off the edge of the aircraft carrier. That they oh, that's a legendary part. Yeah, I mean, Pardon stuff like that. And, and, you know, his close calls with the, you know, where they try to trap him. So these zombies are smart. Mm-hmm. These guys are smart. They set traps. And they yeah. are, and also they are super fast, too. They're like World War Z fast, right? Yeah. They, I mean, they yeah, come at right. you like super fast. Yeah, I just, I, I think that was sort of the wave that Walking Dead was in, and Walking Dead burned it out as well. Mm-hmm. I do remember, I'm a big board game person, and there's a really popular board game series called Dead of Winter, I think, or or The Long Night, and that sort of is very similar to The Walking Dead in a way, and so... And even those movie and TV stories will will continue to affect other art forms in different ways, even as far as just like tabletop games. The, the zombies were were there in the early 2000s to or mid mid to late 2000s to the early 2010s and then kind of died off. Right. Right. So. So let's switch to another angle here. So mm-hmm. Walking Dead goes and goes in the toilet and finally gets canceled. And everybody's like breathing a sigh of relief going, oh, God, is this genre finally dead? I am so sick of it. OK, but then and that's what that is. Twenty. What year is that? Did I say? Twenty twenty two. But it's the same year that. So Zack Snyder, the famous. Actually, he oh, yeah. uh, did a remake of one of the Romero films, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't that how he made it got his start? But anyways, he becomes famous for doing for, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, 
Dawn of the Dead, okay. He, uh, for doing Marvel Comics type stuff, I think, he, or no, no, DC, DC. He did, he, see, mm-hmm. he did, you know, he did um, rebooted Superman, which Superman. is a really good reboot, and then Superman versus Batman, and uh, the Justice League, and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, you know, so everybody was like, okay, Zach, what the fuck do you want to do now? And then, so he comes up with, well, I've got an idea on how to reinvigorate the zombie genre, and they're like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> so- Someone get holy water. So, no, this is going to be great because it's going to take place in Las Vegas and there's going to be all, so it's going to be sort of like Ocean's Eleven meets the zombies. You know, know. we're going to steal the gold before they <laughs> blow it up. So, so he makes this gigantic 300, 400 million dollar movie. And that's Army and, of the Dead. That's, this is the Army of the Dead, right? And um, I don't know if you saw it. And the thing was, when he started making it, it was before COVID. So they didn't know that it was going to be, you know, the theaters were all going to shut, be shut down. So when mm-hmm. it finally comes out, I think in 2022, like early 2022, so. it, sort, it was released in some theaters, but it streamed simultaneously. And it was the biggest flop in history. So, you know, and I think Variety had said, uh, Zack Snyder puts a bullet in the head of the zombie genre. So everybody's like, okay, now, now it's dead. Now it's, yeah. it is dead as dead. But, but that, you know, that very same year, HBO, which had, there was a, there was, a, I don't know if you play video games, but there was a very popular video game back in 2013 called The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And it was about a post-apocalyptic thing. And again, zombies are a big part of it, but, but a lot of the story is, is, is about people, you know, the yes. story of people versus people uh, who just happen to be surrounded by zombies. But anyways, it was a super popular video game, got great reviews, made a ton of money. HBO buys it. And, and nobody has had a great record at making a movie out of a video game yet. I mean, they keep trying and trying and trying. Nobody has really done it, figured out how to do it yet. Call of Duty or all these other different things. But so, <laughs> so but they, but they, when COVID started, apparently the CEO and this was before the Warner Discovery Channel purchase of HBO. Yeah. You know, they greenlit it and they said, okay, look, well, everybody's going to like this because it's about a pandemic. You know, they, they yeah. also, or no, it's actually a fungus, but again, it's a scientific angle. It's not yeah. a mystical and, and occult it's, it's, thing. It is it's a play. sort of external. Right. It's an existential play. And they say, well, okay, people are going to like this because it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like COVID. So they go do it, but everybody's like whispering and Variety's like, this is going to be a fail. I mean, I know you guys have had a great record, but this is going to be like the last season of Westworld. This is going to be a total fail. So, but it comes out this year, starts in January, poof, breaks Game of Thrones records. It, it, so now, you know, so, so it, it, come, it only had what? 10 episodes or something like that. And, uh, you know, and I was like, I DVR'd it. I was just kind of, it's like, uh, you know, because I knew this episode was coming up. So I was like, I, I really ought to watch this. But I don't, I'm so sick of, zo- of zombies. But I watched it and I got hooked and I listened to a bunch of zo- uh, podcasts yeah. about it. I mean, it, it, it works, you know, and I'm not a video game person, so I wasn't familiar with the game. But, but here's the thing, doggone it. Now that this thing made, you know, half a billion dollars, it's, Zombies aren't going away, are they? No. And 
I mean, did this thing make half a billion dollars? Because it's a well, TV show. It's hard to quantify what it made. It is. It is hard to quantify when you're talking about a subscriber. But it got, thing. it got the views. It got the culture back. It got the views. It made. It did over 40 million views just in the U.S. And HBO is like almost all over the world except China and a few other countries. So it was their biggest money maker since House of Dragons last yeah. year, which was the Game of Thrones prequel. Yeah, and um, House of Dragons seems to be at the point in which the later seasons of Walking Dead is, where it's still going and it, people are still watching, but no one cares as much as it did. And I wonder if that fantasy genre might be on on its way out. In the way well, that, that might be true, are. but they have greenlit another of course they Game do. of Thrones spinoff. So we'll I see. Mean, How many we'll Walking Dead spinoffs have they done? Even uh, in the time where it had died. Yeah, I know. They're, we're in the middle of one now. It's the, it's the last season. Fear the Walking Dead. Of course. And then there's another one coming. I forget what it's called. It has dead in the title, but uh, two of the main characters, Negan, the bad guy, and Lauren, the girl, go to New York City. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Come on! Just, it won't end. It won't um, end. Should it end or should it keep going? I think things are better to end, but that's just my view. I do think The Last of Us is interesting because it seems like it came out during the last wave. The, the, the video game itself was able to come out in the last wave of zombie culture when that wave of zombie culture was sort of going on. And it's interesting that the... It came out at the height of Law- Walking Dead, right? So Walking yeah. Dead, yeah. Or no, not at the height. It couldn't have been. But, but it, it, sort of in the Walking middle. Walking Dead was middle. not irrelevant by that point. No, 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 say. that's true. And it's interesting that the the adaptation of it is what's kind of restarting it once more in that way. But it's always getting restarted and, and, and stopped. And I, I find it interesting when we look at things that are almost outside of the, the the cultural norms. And, you know, we can go back to when maybe by the, by the 80s, the zombie movie had gotten a bit silly in, in, in America. But in, in Italy, the zombie movies were at its, at its peak at that time. And it was on a very different cultural timeline. And uh, there was like Lucio Fulci making sort of his Living Dead trilogy where hmm. they're all a bit disconnected. They're not like, it's a trilogy in the way uh, The Three Colors is a trilogy by by Kieslowski where there's maybe some overlapping actors and themes, but they're all still separate movies. And those those are all, besides I Walked With a Zombie, are probably my favorite rendition of zombie movies and really yeah they're they're nasty and they're they're fun and they're they're nothing like you would see in the zombie movies from walking dead or anything so i but they're straight ahead serious they're not parodies they're not um they uh, they are sometimes really silly and other times really really dark and I, I i think they get to play more and challenge more in that tone and genre than maybe something like 
uh, a sequel to a popular movie like like 28 weeks later which which is which is a solid zombie movie but i i don't think reinvents much with the zombies storyline per se in the culture in my opinion at least i know some people really really write hard for that movie though so let me ask you this I and mean, we've talked about a lot about you know the currents of the genre and you know, its popularity and ebbs and flows but if we drill down into the zeitgeist and the cultural mind, at least here in America or maybe the English-speaking world, why do you think so many tens of millions and maybe hundreds of millions of people are attracted to this particular monster? I mean, there was, you know, we, uh, uh, Ellie and I were going through the number of books written by PhDs, which uh-huh. examine the sociology and uh, of of what a zombie represents to us in our, our psyche. I mean, what do you think? I mean, because you've, you've got such, I mean, you're a media expert and a, a movie expert, but you've got such a, uh, an I, astute I don't know. background. I, I, I'm getting nervous being called an expert. And then I'd say <laughs> okay. next. <laughs> okay. but, Can I give you a B plus or no? I'll, I'll take a B plus. That okay. <laughs> I like that. That's good for uh, us. That's good for scandal sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just drag uh, someone down, you know, my neighbor from down the street. So Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do think it comes to that sort of thing that you're you're mentioning where one of the first and most major fears I think we all have is is inherently death. And there's no better visual way to confront that in a horror movie than to have it come back and and, and, and kill us itself. And I think it makes us reckon with our own humanity and mortality a bit that even a reanimated vampire doesn't necessarily do that. Um, I think vampires say more about uh, power imbalances and the seduction of the other side rather than like sort of the mutilated return of it. And... um, Go, I guess going back to the Fulci movies, if any, anyone wants to look this one up, it's called The Beyond, which I think is his his masterpiece. I'll put it I in the liner notes. Cool. I'll put uh, I do think that's Can maybe you buy the, it on Amazon or Criterion or something? Actually, that's a really good question. Let me see okay. where it is available. Um, the Beyond. It is available on Amazon, Canopy, and Shudder. Okay. Cool. So I, I guess if you if you're a horror fan and you're watching this, Shudder is worth to get no matter what, which is sort of like the Netflix of exclusively horror stuff. And so you'll oh, be really? able to find okay. all the Fulci stuff there. I think the Beyond does the best job of any movie ever to reckon with that concept of sin, of mortality, of an existential threat. And Fulci himself, the director, is someone who was regularly deathly sick. He was always confronted with the concept of his body falling apart. And I think that informs a lot of his horror movies, especially the beyond, where the gore is so... What, did he have leprosy or something? I don't think he had leprosy, but I think he regularly had... 
You know what? I should. I should. <laughs> we, we we did our own episode on this trilogy that I mentioned on our oh, you did. great movies podcast. We oh well, I'm gonna have we to added, do a link we, to that. We filled in with an extra episode one time, sort of talking about that. Can't remember what some of his illnesses were, but I remember we were looking that up, and it was like that makes so much more sense. I think he he had diabetes that exasperated a lot mm. of different things that sort of came up for him. And this movie is just sort of a classic, like the gates of hell are open and the dead are coming back. And more than any other, it, it it's gives this feeling of inevitability that you will die and your body will fall apart. And there is nothing you can do to stop this. And it's sort of the inevitability of the, of death coming for you in the form of zombies itself. And it's so good. I, mm-hmm. I If anything, I just hope everyone listening can go and, and find the beyond. It is really fun. Uh, it, it, the score is by, uh, let me check this real quick. The score is by uh, Fabio Frizi, which maybe if you oh, can, yeah. you can, I'll, I'll send you a link to the, the score that he, the main theme that he plays, which sounds like, the opera from hell comes in and does an 80s like Chappelle rock cover. It's like opera and and uh pop rock at the same time hmm. from hell. <laughs> and I and I think that's the best way to 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 understand the style of these movies where it is very pulpy, it is very it's a bit pardon the word for the show, but scandalous in a way that it, it it's sort of trying to provoke a, a, oh, gross sort of aspect to it, which, which, which can be fun. And I think you can watch these movies in a way that is sort of like a fun time with, with the guys. That's just like, oh, look at that nasty kill. And it, 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 it doesn't lose that fun aspect, but it also has that aspect of uh, really literarily biblically uh proportioned themes of death and and uh loneliness and destruction coming for us so i think it's the best well, you, s- you speak with with uh somewhat profound profundity considering someone of your age because obviously everybody is afraid of death i mean you just it has it's an instinctual thing but at your age i mean someone in your 20s it's 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 somewhat of a uh, an abstraction but someone of my age and you know i've had two parents die literally in my arms and Uh you know it's not an abstraction you know and every time i go to my doctor it's not an abstraction he's like wow we got to get that cholesterol down man you know it's like yeah it it may not be tomorrow but it's out there it's not like in my 20s where i was like you know what it'll come whenever (laughs) and it's like now it's not going to come whenever it's going to (laughs) come it's just a matter of uh, what day on the calendar will it be so i don't know so it, it means something different to me to be ripped apart alive, probably. And it probably does to you. We're getting really deep here. We're getting. I really know vulnerable. we are. Well, that's why I, I wanted you. We thought, well, let's go, let's let's go down the let's go down the dark road. So, <laughs> <laughs> I guess if if you want to confront those feelings while having a, a fun pulpy time, uh, check out Lucio Fulci's uh, trilogy. I think, and and if we even get back to this, where we talk about what what makes a zombie movie, the three movies he made in the series, 
And then there's a fourth movie he made just called Straight Up Zombie, which is arguably his most famous work. But I think it's the most... But do direct. they follow those three rules? The cannibalism, the bite turns you into one. That's where I'm coming from. And there's at. only one way to kill him in the brain. So that's right? where I'm coming from. Okay, go go ahead. So zombie is probably the most direct of that, that mentality. The other three, I think, are more interesting and, and hint at some of the things that built up the zombie movie um, history. Where the first one's called City of the Living Dead. Which basically this vampiric priest opens the gates of hell magically. And 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 brings back the reanimated dead. And so, if, if we're talking about the very first steps of zombie culture, where it's more voodoo centric, that city of the living dead. And it just sounds like it's a. You said hell, so it's a satanic spell. It, 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 he makes it, it a bargain a, with the devil or something, right? Yeah, yeah. He he like commits suicide in a in a place of holiness, and that act uh, sort of breaks the gates of hell open, and the dead come back, and. Interesting, there is one way to kill it, but it's, it's, it's impalement. It's not beheading. So it has a similar theme to the Western canon, but it, it, it takes it in a different way, where you need to impale the zombies. Does that mean you can be fire. stabbed anywhere in the body or in the torso? Basically, or? it's like in the chest, and then they like burst into flames. It's, it's oh, very really? weird. Okay. The Beyond takes it, and it, 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 it is more of this, the sin of humanity sort of thing, and... and Basically, this, the story starts there. It, it takes place, even if this is an Italian horror movie, it takes place in, I think it's Louisiana Bayou sort of area. It's in the South. And there well, was that's the man, home of voodoo, or at least yeah, in yeah, North America. The, the, in this one, it's not necessarily voodoo. This man is killed by uh, <sighs> a, a, a horde of people coming after him because he's, a, he's some sort of Satan worshiper. But they kill him. And so now the dead come back, not as a, a voodoo calling, but sort of like a reckoning onto the people in the way that we... Because of his see. death. Yeah. It's, it's revenge sort, it's for his this, death. Yeah, avenge his death in this sort of man versus man mentality where the zombies are there because of the sins of man, I guess, if we think of Night of the Living Dead. And finally, the last movie in the series is called House by the Cemetery, which I don't want to talk about too much because... This is one that will get into spoilers about how. Yeah, spoiler alert, right? Like, don't, I mean, because some people may go out. And, but and watch this these. one is the one that is the most scientific about the way the zombies are there and are the most tangible. And there's only a couple zombies in this one, other like, un- unlike the horde of zombies in the Beyond and City of the Living Dead. And so when we get finally into this final stage where zombie movies now are very like, it was a disease, it was this. But also reaching back to sort of the Frankenstein idea of a human directly reanimating the dead. It's not a virus. It's not a a, 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 a voodoo magical technique. And so it brings like the the old the oldest and the newest forms of zombies and puts it into one. So it, at the very least, I think these movies called back to all the different types of zombie movies at once in a way that is as complete as you could get with a, a zombie a zombie entertainment that you could. A zombie entertainment. <laughs> Love zombie entertainment. <laughs> Sounds like a Broadway musical waiting to happen. First there was Wait, Hamilton. Just then wait. there was I zombie. know zombies. The zombies <laughs> will hit Broadway at some point. I think you're, I think you're right. And some, I think we need. I think we need to do it. I mean, you're already we should. there. So I mean, you can you know you can go talk to the agents and stuff, and I can. This is here. what I'll do. This is okay. what we'll do. <laughs> 
<laughs> we will we will reanimate Stephen Sondheim, ah! and it'll be a movie about Zombie Sondheim. That would be cool. <laughs> Didn't he just die last year? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. R.I.P. to like the king of musicals. All yeah, he is at least at least in this century. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that's that's it's <laughs> an afternoon well spent. Well, that puts a crowbar through the skull on this episode, folks. I want to thank our accomplished guest, Dylan Cuellar, for sharing his expertise, and we will put links to his podcasts and Twitter account in the liner notes of this episode. Please check them out. We hope you'll follow or subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite pod platform. And share it with all your friends! We'd also love it if you'd leave us a shameless, over-the-top rave review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. Also, we want to hear from you! You can reach us online at scandalsheetpod.com, Facebook, or Twitter, or just send us an email to contact at scandalsheetpod.com. See you next time on Scandal Sheet! Copyright 2023. Thad Helsley Media LLC. All rights reserved.